identifying that there is something off, right, is just the fact that Joe Biden is in the public. And so we have facilitated this pattern recognition that his doctors might not know about or they do. And this is a uh, West Wing situation, literally. Right. Yeah, that's well. And that's this is the thing. What's interesting is I think basically there are like two possibilities happening here. And the thing is, either scenario is not necessarily great. Either that is the sort of rationalization that Biden himself has kind of uh, thought of it or something is, right, right. is how he has dealt with and not not even maybe sought diagnosis uh, for some of this stuff that is maybe stemming from this aneurysm. Right. Or uh, the campaign knows or like possibly even it was found out early in the Obama administration or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and they are you know, actively, as B said, doing a West Wing situation. They're like, we have this great man, Jed Bartlett. We're going to make sure that like the public doesn't know that he has uh, this condition. Sometimes he's okay. We just have to minimize the triggers for his attacks. And that's what a lot of these moves that you see the Biden campaign pushing for, like um, a sit down debate or stuff like um, doing only seven minutes for appearances like this. This to me, like looks a lot like um, the sort of preparation that we do to help my dad get ready for anything. You know, you have to yeah. do a lot of planning and like, you know, any any chronically ill or disabled person probably would know that like the more stressed and exhausted you are, the harder time you have with executive function. Right. Like it happens to me all the time. Brain chemo brain fog. And like even if, um, you know, he's totally fine, he clearly can't handle the stress and they're making moves to mitigate that. Right. Right. You know, so so we sort of have the situation where we're being told that any observation and critique of what could genuinely literally be like election fraud. Right. Um, or something as simple as or elder abuse or withholding right yeah. or abuse of a, of a cognitively impaired like person you know or just whatever like it you the observation of that is being uh, tied into like mean jokes about it and then the idea is to wholesale suppress that entire line of critique right, right. and willfully ignore the fact that there are like visual and uh, like obviously impairments in Biden. Right. And yeah. well, it, it reminds me of this. There are these all of these things about the presidency and the way that the presidency is sort of packaged and received that are you know, fundamentally, um, you know, informal rules, informal sort of strictures on the way that people are supposed to talk about or understand the president. I mean, and this is sort of what happened, like once Trump got elected. Right. You, st- you know, journalists just started having to cover, I mean, I've even had difficulty writing about, you know, because in the standard genre of writing about presidents, you're like, and Trump, or do you say Trump or the Trump administration did such and such? Well, it's like, well, what exactly did Trump do? He signed an executive order. How do you talk about agency in that sentence? I've even had difficulty finding the right verbs, right? So there's, so, so there's like conventions of language that force journalists, other observers to like cabin the way that they talk about the president. And I think that the, the, on the cognitive side, there's this whole, the idea of the Goldwater rule, yeah, uh, mm-hmm. which is that your, uh, clinicians are not supposed to comment in any sort of authoritative way on the president's mental state. 
right? Which was some sort of informal right. rule that was sort of developed, I think maybe by the APA around the time of, of Barry Goldwater's candidacy yeah. for the presidency in 1964. It was after that big uh, magazine article came out where it was like, you know, all, all of these, um, uh, all of these psychiatrists or whatever sign on to this letter saying that Barry Goldwater is mentally unstable, et cetera. Right, and right. they were like, you can't do that anymore. Right. Which is um, so, so that, that norm is like, okay, maybe that kind of article like saying with this sort of clinical certainty, like we know we, the scientific establishment know that like this, this candidate is unstable, you know, maybe that is like the norm, but for whatever reason, I think that that there's a thing that happens, which is like those kinds of norms are like self ratcheting. Yeah. Uh, And now I think the idea that you, that it's somehow not fair game to comment on Biden's, you know, or, or Trump's uh, mental state, which is something that like, if you, I think the really interesting thing is the, a lot of the critics of people who, uh, the, the people who are currently like saying that you, you can't apply any kind of norm of like actually investigating Biden's mental state, um, are the same people who were themselves referring to Trump as experiencing dementia, uh, near right. right. being near yes, being like exactly. the, the biggest, uh, there are a lot of like double screenshots of, of her, her, of her tweets. But the, the question that I, that this all sort of brings together is like, clearly this norm isn't a norm, right? Uh, clearly this is not, um, something that is like applied evenly. So then like of what use, uh, is this prohibition or proscription on talking about the president's mental state? And like, for me, the maybe one prohibition or prescription that makes sense is that like, yes, uh, we shouldn't say things with a level of certainty about which we are not certain. Right. Which is why yeah, all of the of um, third episode in a row, just going to hit Paul Glasser's again of the uh, Washington <laughs> monthly, uh, coming for you. Um, but like his whole thing about like Bernie Sanders heart condition is like he wants to like cite the JAMA study that right. shows that Bernie Sanders is, you know, his heart. It's, it's, it's probabilistically likely. Here's his like chances of death in the next like five years. But I think the thing with Biden is like no one is. I mean, I'm certainly not doing a diagnosis. B isn't doing a diagnosis on him. It's simply calling into question patterns of speech, which have a bearing, a very direct bearing on the way that even basic policy concepts, which might be important in the context of a presidential campaign or defending himself against attacks, which might be important in the context of a presidential campaign, uh, how those things are going to, uh, to play out. And I think that like the idea that that's off limits is sort of abandoning the responsibility that political journalists have. Absolutely. Right. I also think that, you know, fundamentally it's so th- this, this is why I'm like, okay, we, I think there needs to be like, ob- obviously whatever, like, you know, ship posters are going to do whatever like they want, but like messaging or figure out, figuring out what to say to people, you know, even, uh, if, if they, if, if, if you're asked about this or whatever, it's like important. I think mm-hmm. this is why like the West wing example is indicative. I think, uh, you know, cause like if you're, 
you know, if you if you are blessed enough to not know West Wing or you're one of the like Zoomers who listens to us, uh, like basically it's, you know, it, like one of the major plot themes in that show is like the president is uh, he has MS and he uh, hides it from the public during his election campaign. Then uh, it's like they have to bring they have to make this whole show of like bringing it out. And they it, it's like looked at as this kind of like heroic thing because he he does come out and say it and then the public does reelect him etc um which is which is to say like like whatever this is like aaron sorkin fantasy land but still the like fundamentally a real world example too would be like i mean you have a very real possibility and this is why you know we really this is why among many reasons we really hope that uh ultimately bernie sanders is the democratic nominee you know regardless of whether the electoral solution like works or not we do hope that bernie sanders is the nominee because like fundamentally what an absolute like fucking ubu level farce would it be to have this election come down to basically in both in politics policy and in like cognitive temperament Mm-hmm. essentially like Ronald Reagan versus Ronald Reagan. Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, or and, Richard Nixon versus Ronald Reagan. Right. You, like you have like Richard this sort of Nixon belligerent as, drunk. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Drunk Richard Nixon in the late, in like the late days, the, uh, right. Shout out to Robert Altman days, but yeah. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I don't know. It's not, it's not good. It's not good. Yeah. Folks. Um, we, we don't, we do not in fact like to see it. No, I mean, I think the, the other thing is there was a, uh, the Ezra Klein. So it's, it's interesting to think about what is going to be the take on Biden right. from the, cause like, if you read Ryan Liz's Twitter, it is, um, just go back through it. It's, he, he is, he's is just standing Biden. Uh, there are a lot of like very low level Biden stand like retweets or tweets. Um, but like one question would be like, what is the, you know, the standard, you know, centrist political journalist take on Biden now going to be because you have they if he's supposed to be like the heir apparent uh, to the to the candidacy, they're going to have to find a way of talking about him because many of them even know they're like they're not enthused by him personally. Um, they they're even aware of <laughs> what the problems with Biden uh, are. And now they have to find a way of talking about him that will, you know, make people enthusiastic. And like the Ezra Klein, um, there are like three things that I've seen. One is like the Ezra Klein thing is like, well, people really don't care about the way that he talks or cognitive, you know, these speech patterns. (laughs) It's like, sure. You know, primary voters don't care about that. They're like, oh, Uncle Joe. Okay. Yeah. Um, Right. The other thing that you see is like, well, he'll have the most progressive platform that any democratic president has had in contemporary times or like modern times. Ugh. I remember Which that is, line. Yeah. <laughs> I remember, when was that, I remember that exact already? line. Yeah. Oh, that, that was used. Oh, let me, let me think. Um, in 2016 at the, uh, democratic national convention, uh, after they basically shut out, uh, like all the Sanders people and Sanders delegates from most of the, you know, uh, convention process. Uh, they basically said that like Sanders had successfully pushed, uh, pushed Hillary left. And as a result, they had the, uh, most progressive, uh, policy platform a democratic president had ever run on. And that worked. That, yeah. But that I mean, was like also true. That's that absolutely uh, yeah, true. Not a lie. Yeah. It's objectively untrue. 
Johnny if you look at no lies here. any health policy platform before, say, 1980. Yeah. <laughs> or between well, depends, 1964 and 1980, That's I guess. why, you know, that's why I think... Uh, Hello, this is Daniel, Beatrice's screen reader program. Support us at patreon.com slash deathpanelpod to hear the full episode and get access to patron-only content. With love, the death panel.